All right. Well, thanks, Noah. Nailed it today. Good morning, everybody. How are y'all doing? Y'all ready? Okay. Hey, my name's Clayton, the pastor here at Central, and I'm glad you guys are with us. If you're a guest, I'm super excited. I'd love to be able to, to meet you after the service. So uh, I'll be down at the front, and then I'll be out in the, the lobby. Love to hang out and chat with you guys. But uh, hey, we are jumping back into our series. We have one final uh, message for today. Last week, we got to, to talk about the, the personal side of Jesus's message about the, the danger of putting new wine into old wineskins. And so we, that, was the, that was the message. We didn't talk about wine, okay, last week. That's not what we were talking about. We were talking about how, how sometimes we, we take the, the gospel, which is the wine, that's what Jesus is talking about, and we try to we try to fit it into our own like desires, our own choices, our own beliefs. But here's the deal. The gospel, which is the message of the good news of Jesus Christ, is alive and it's active and it's, it's full of potential. And here's the deal. It can't be contained, guys. It can't be contained. And what happens is it actually, you don't shape it. It shapes you. It shapes you. So here's what we learned last week is that God, he wants us to, to have an open heart. And if we will have an open heart, what will happen is, is we then have a, an, an avenue to receive the gospel so that it can shape our lives. And today we're going to jump back into this exact same verse, which is in Mark chapter 2. And so last week we talked about the, the personal side of this message, but today we're going to talk about the, the uh, community aspect of this message, because God has a message for his church, not just our church, but the universal church this morning. So how many of you guys watched college football yesterday, okay? For my Aggies, a and it, it was a rough day. I don't want to talk about it anymore. We're not going to talk about the service, just how it went. Uh, but man, it was a good day for a lot of, lot of teams. But can you imagine what it was like to be in the locker room right before a game when 100,000 people are out um, in the stands and the stands are shaking and rumbling and you're ready to go. And as a coach, a coach would stand up in front of his team and he would g give this rousing speech, okay, to get, get your team pumped up. There's all sorts of testosterone going on in the room. Everybody's pumped up and ready to go. And as a coach, you give a message to, to an individual player. So you're giving the speech, but it's to these specific players. And so they have this specific message that they're going to go out and they're going to do their job. But the message is not just to the, the individual player, but it's to the entire team, isn't it? You know. And so there's this message for the entire team to get them ready for the big game. Well, here's the deal. God has a message for his entire team today. And we all know that the gospel, which is the good news of Jesus, it needs to be delivered. Like it's got to it's be delivered to people. It's got to be presented to people. And it's got to be given to the, to the world. We're not supposed to hold on to it. And here's this big question I have for us today. How should today's church do that? How should today's church deliver the gospel? So you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 2. We'll be in verse 22 again. That's the, the verse for today. And in fact, I split it into two parts. So we'll look at the first part of the verse. Then we'll look at the second part of this verse. But here's what uh, this, this says in Mark chapter 2, verse 22. Easy to remember where it is. It says this, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins, they would both be lost. 
Okay, so that's the message Jesus has, and it's a simple lesson for the church. It's a, it's a warning for the entire church, and it's this, that there's, there's a risk. It's risky business to use worn-out wineskins. It's risky to use worn-out wineskins because he's talking about, hey, if you do that, the wine will just spill out everywhere and everything is ruined. Okay, so several years ago when I was a youth pastor, man, I could play some ping-pong, guys, okay? I was just... Is one of the prerequisites to have the job. Okay, you got to be able to play ping pong if you're a youth pastor. And so I was playing ping pong uh, before church, and I had my, my favorite pair of slacks on, okay? I mean, these are nice, like navy slacks. They were good. They're probably pretty expensive, you know, like birthday gift or something. And so I am running around playing ping pong. And if you know me, I'm not going to let you win, okay? I'm going to do everything I can to beat you, okay? I mean, I don't, I don't care. I'm going to try my hardest. And so, and so I'm running around, and I, I'm playing. I'm sweating. You're like, it's crazy, okay? I'm getting a little bit too into it. And I just stretched a little bit too far, all right? And I just ripped my pants, guys. Just to be honest, I ripped my pants. I'm not talking about just like a tiny little rip. I mean, I just destroyed my pants, okay? They're, they're done. But I, I couldn't go home. I didn't have time to go home. The church is about to start. Thank goodness I wasn't actually preaching. But I had to go into the worship service. And so I went to the closet and grabbed a stapler, okay? And I just, I just stapled that sucker up, okay? I just stapled it up, and, and I went to, to church just, just doing one of these. Hey, guys, how's it going? <laughs> you know, okay, we're not going to do anything crazy today. That's what we're going to do. And so and then I just went through the whole church service like that, just hoping that these pants would, would make it through. And here's a question I have for, for us. Do we as a church... Are we doing some things that are like those pants that are they're just worn out, right? That they're just, they're just done. Now, here's the deal. The worn out things that we may be doing are, are not bad. They're not bad themselves, but perhaps they're not usable anymore just like these pants were. What we know about Jesus is that he wants to replace the worn out with the new. And he came to, to make things new, not to double down on the things that are old. And in fact, the original context of, of the verse for, for today is Jesus talking about the Old Testament. And he's saying, hey, the Old Testament um, is not bad in itself, but I'm, I'm bringing something new. I'm not doubling down on the old. I am, I am bringing something brand new um, for you guys. Because here's the deal. There's something important that we need to discuss today. And it's the fact that change is here. I mean, change is happening. Our world is not the same, is it? I mean, it's, it's completely different. And the, the church has an opportunity to do two things, okay? To be more and more irrelevant to our culture or to rise to the occasion, okay? As change is happening in our culture. And here's the deal. I understand that can be scary. The idea of change can be scary. And for a lot of us, it just doesn't sit well. But here's the deal. I think it might be beneficial to to ease your fears a little bit, bit and talk about the things that will never change, okay? We always talk about change here at this church, and I wonder if there are people kind of nervous about that, like, I'm not sure about, about change because we're talking about my faith. But well, here's the deal. There's some things that will, that will never change, and I want to put them up on the screen here. Here's some things that will never change, okay? So God will never change. The Bible is clear about that. The God that we worship is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is never going to change. He is who he is. Another thing that will never change is, is his word. The Bible will never change. The Bible talks about that, okay? Jesus even talks about that and says, hey, these things that are in God's word, they are perfect, okay? They're exactly what God wants us to hear. And if we believe that men wrote the Bible, 
being influenced through the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, that means the Holy Spirit is the author of God's word. And if we believe that God does not make mistakes, then we believe that the Bible is exactly what we are supposed to have. The Bible is not going to change. We're not going to add things to it. We're not going to take things away from it. The Bible is what it is. Another thing that doesn't change is God's plan for you. God's plan for your life. And his plan for your life is that you would give your life to Jesus. That you would accept him as your Lord and Savior. And you live the rest of your life for him. And that one day you get to spend eternity with him in heaven. That is God's plan for you. That is not going to change. Here's another thing that, that will not change. The priority we have for, for loving God. Okay? As well as the priority for loving people. Because that's what Jesus said we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love God and love people. And so that is going to be a big priority continuing for the church. Not just our church, but every church. That is what is never going to change. And here's another thing that will never change. It's the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church. The church's purpose is to go and to deliver the message to a lost world. And those, those things are never going to change. Those things were true in the past. Those things are true today. Those things are true in the future. And here's the deal. Those things are, are big things. Those are core principles. Those are the big ones. Those are the things that we hold on to, right? They, they form our faith. They're foundational to us. And we, it, it sustains us and it drives us forward. These things right here on the screen, these things are what we are going to, to hang on to. But here's the deal. Often the church still carries around some kind of worn out and brittle and stale practices that honestly I feel like sometimes they don't just carry the, they don't carry the gospel very well anymore, especially in today's culture. So like, for everyone, everyone of us drove here to church today, didn't we? Anybody take a horse? No, no, we, took, we, right, we, we drove here today. We drove in some, some type of vehicle today. And some of you guys drove in a truck. Well, what's the purpose of a truck? Okay? Make me feel more manly. That's the purpose of a truck, okay? Um, but the purpose of a truck is to, to carry things, you know, or to haul things. And so that's why you have a church, or have, have, a, have a truck. If you um, have a minivan, what's the purpose of a minivan? To, to take your manhood away, okay? That's the purpose of a minivan, right? No, I mean, I never thought I would have a minivan, but, but uh, when, when we finally had kids, I was like, hey, these minivans are not too bad. Like, the doors open automatically. This is nice. Kids in and out. It's awesome. But when you try to go to the hardware store in a minivan, you've seen those people. Some of you guys are those people where you drive home with the hatchback up and you got like a 12-foot piece of lumber that's sticking out the front uh, window. You know what I'm saying? It's not made for that. And sometimes we, we try to force we try to force things like that. We try to force um, a, a car to be something that it was never meant to be. And some of us came to, to church in a, in a brand new car. It still has that brand new car smell. It's got the leather and the temporary plates on the back. And you, walk, you drive up all, you know, like, hey, make sure everybody can see me. We're going to get to church, not before everybody. We want everybody to see us pulling up in this thing. Or you came to church like I did in a beater, okay? All right? So my, my car has... Seven warning lights on at all times on the dash. But, but hey, it's just, just sensors, right? Everything will be fine. <laughs> you know, so I'm just hoping that I'm always checking the gauges. But, yeah, I literally have seven warning lights going on in my car. But you know what? It gets me where I need to go. But eventually, you're, whether you have a brand-new car or you have an old car, it's going gonna, it's gonna to run out of steam, isn't it? You know? Eventually, you're going to have to get rid of it. Eventually, it's going to go into the junkyard. 
And the church has vehicles too. The vehicles of, or vessels that we have that we, we use to, to deliver the gospel message. Yet there are things that perhaps are not cutting, any, cut, cutting it anymore. Things that have maybe run its, its course a little bit. And so today I want to discuss some of those things with you. Now let me say this. There are some practices, practices that the church has that are not bad. They're not immoral um, or, or problematic. They're just tools. Just a tool, right? It's just something the church has used. And you know what? The church has used some things in the past, some past practices that have seen countless lives changed. In fact, your life might have been changed through a program or a practice of the church of the past. So let me, let me go through some of these um, with you this morning. Let me just apologize if I step on your toes, okay? Just want to apologize in advance, all right? So let me go through some things. As uh, I went through, I had these, this list, and the list has been edited a couple times by our staff uh, just to make sure this is going to be okay. But here's some practices that I believe that possibly um, have run their course, okay? Oh, man, it's going to go bad. Okay, how about this? The original King James version of the Bible from 1611. Now, here's the deal. That is probably the greatest evangelistic tool in the history of the world, okay? It revolutionized the world. Because back then, you would show up to church, and you did not have a Bible. Because the Bible was only in Greek and Latin. And the only person that knew Greek and Latin would have been me. And I would have gotten up on stage and said, hey, let me read this to you. And here's what the Bible says. And you need to tithe 50% of your income to the church. Okay, to me personally, actually, that'd be great. How would you know if I, it's true or not? You wouldn't because you can't read the Bible. You can't read it. And then they changed and they, they actually translated the Bible from the original language into to modern day English in 1611. And everything changed. All of a sudden you could read it on your own. But here's the deal. That was actually written for the common day. For common people who could read common old English like that. But here's the deal. If you actually tried to read that today, the original one, man, some of you guys have probably have King James versions around there. It's awesome. It's great. But the original 1611 that we hold so dear, man, that, you wouldn't be able to read it at all today. And what has happened is, is that original idea is no longer useful today because it's not in our common language today. And yet a lot of us hold on to that as if Christianity began in 1611. Here's the deal, it did not begin then. And so that's a great tool, but I wonder, is that tool run its, its course and how we hold on to that? Here's another one. Maybe a little, we're going to go across the pond, okay, into to the Americas. Before we became a, a nation, these traveling evangelists began to, to go around. And they swept throughout the land, and it was incredible. And we call it the Great Awakening, and these guys would go around, they preached a different way that had never been preached before. And it was this fire and brimstone kind of preaching. And so they're just pounding on, on, the, on the, the podium, right, on the pulpit. And people were like, man, they're going crazy. They've never seen anything like this. And so these guys would go around and, and do that. But here's the, here's the trick, just me personally. 
They only had one message, one sermon. You know, if they're traveling around, there was no internet, right? There's no way to search. So, man, these guys got to have one message, do it really well, okay? They have to preach every, something different every week. But they would go around and preach this message, and people were completely transformed. It was incredible. And, in fact, in fact it affected so much of how our, our country became uh, a country in the Revolutionary War. It was awesome. But eventually that ran its course, and it faded away. Here's something a little more modern. What about Billy Graham-style crusades? Anybody ever been to a Billy Graham crusade? Some of you guys have, have been to those? I've watched Billy Graham on, on YouTube. It's just amazing the, the way he could preach. And he give this just simple message. And he'd say, y'all come forward, right? And all these people came forward. It's like, man, that's awesome. Why did they do that today? Like, I try that. It doesn't work, okay? Like, man, what is the deal with Billy Graham? It's just amazing. Do you know that from, he, he preached these revivals from 1947 to 2005? Okay, he preached 417 crusades in 185 different countries. And they estimate about 200 million people heard the gospel. Pretty awesome. Why do we not have those today? I think the world has changed. Maybe that, that vessel to present the gospel is, it doesn't, doesn't work today. In today's modern culture with the internet and all that kind of stuff and technology. Let me, let me get a little more, more practical here. Bus ministry. <laughs> Anybody a part of bus ministry? Okay, do bus ministry. Okay, for all you young people, bus ministry was they would drive around, honk the horn at your house, and you would jump in a church van and you would go to church. Okay, that's, that's what we do. And there was a way for us to reach um, kids, lost kids all around the country. And church was doing that, and it was incredible. In fact, you might have been a part of that, or you might have been uh, someone who was picked up, and you were, you were taken to church for the very first time, and you heard the gospel, and you were saved, and you were changed. It was an incredible thing. But here's the deal. How many parents in here would let <laughs> your kid get on a bus with people you do not know? It's not happening today, right? So that, that the bus ministry is a great thing, but maybe it just doesn't fit in today's culture. How about this? Everybody heard of... Roundup Sundays, pack up you Sundays, high attendance Sundays, okay, woohoo, okay, yeah, some people over there. Uh, so I was talking to Rylan, Rylan was saying that Roundup Sundays, back in Chickasha, they would literally drive or ride to church on a horse, okay, so they had all these horses, you know, out in front of the church, and everybody wore like their cowboy stuff, and you would, it was a way to, to invite people to church, it's like this high attendance Sunday type of, type of thing, and yet, I don't know if that really fits into our, our culture today. Let me get, let me step on some big shoes right here, okay? Step on everybody's toes. How about this? Patriotic Sundays. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Patriotic Sundays, are those effective today? Now, today is literally 9-11, okay? And I love my country. I love it incredibly. I mean, I love the armed forces. I love everything about that. But here's the deal. We live in a culture that is different today where we're trying to reach a community where a good segment of that community does not believe in what our government is doing. And as a church, when we, I'm not talking about just like saying, hey, we love our country. I'm talking about the grand, like crazy patriotic Sundays where it seems like you're actually worshiping the country or the flag instead of worshiping Jesus, okay? I got a big problem with that, okay? And some, sometimes we do that. And I wonder if we're sending a mixed message even to people who aren't even Americans, there are people in our community who are not Americans. And almost, you're almost like saying, hey, if you want to be a part of this church, 
you got to be American. You got to believe the same way. You got to be politically aligned the same way that I'm politically aligned. And here's the deal we're not about that, we're about the gospel. We want people to know the gospel. So I wonder, is, is that run its course? Here, here's a good one. Um, my church I grew up in, typical First Baptist church, <laughs> and uh, the, the, during the welcome, the pastor or the worship leader would get up and say, okay, if you're a member of Central Baptist Church, would you please stand? And so everybody would be like, ah, oh, yep, that's my cue. And they'd stand up and be like, mm. Remember, and all, all you visitors, please remain seated. You ever been a part of a church that does that? How creepy is that? That is so creepy. And as a, as a, as a church member, you're like, that's awesome. Now I know where the, where the guests are. But have you ever put yourself in their shoes for a second? How awkward is that? And so the greeting time in churches has actually gone away. And one of the reasons it's gone away is because we as a, as a church, the, the American church finally asked guests, and non-Christians, what is the weirdest thing that churches do on Sunday morning? And they say the greeting time, okay? <laughs> the greeting time just is so awkward to a lot of people. And so we don't do that anymore because we want the people to feel included and not separated. And I wonder if that has lost its, its time. There could be, there's a lot of more of those things, but those are some, some of the things that I feel like I wouldn't get in too much trouble for. So um, we put those there in the notes. But here's the deal. These, these wineskins had their moment, Right? They were useful for a moment. And I can't predict the future, but I, I would say that there is a time, and maybe the time is now, that their usefulness is, is done. And I know for many of us, that is hard to, to take. For many of us, it is emotional. And we long for a return of, of these ministries because we're tied to them. And I'm the same way, man. Growing up in the 80s and 90s, there's some ministries the church doesn't do anymore. And I'm like, I wish we did that. I wish my kids got to experience that. But I wonder if those things have, have run their course. Like here, here's an example of that. I got some matches up here because I like to play with fire. Um, right, kids, down the front? Okay. So here's, here's a good example. Like uh, a, a ministry practice is just like a match. It's got great usefulness, doesn't it? And you light it. And it has great potential, and it's used in incredible ways, hopefully in good ways, okay, to, to light a fire or, or a candle. But what is happening right now? It's about to burn my fingers. That's what's happening right now. But, but eventually it's going to, to run out, isn't it? You know what? It might, it might take a couple seconds. It might take a couple minutes. I don't know how long this is going to go. And the same thing happens with church practices. It may be something that, that is used for a certain short amount of time, and it may be something we do for hundreds of years. But eventually, these things will run out of, of steam. And that's okay, because those things have to be open-handed type of the things. And the gospel is a closed-handed thing, and it never changes. And the purposes of the church will never change. But the way we do church, it just might change over time. Look, it's already out. Didn't burn anything down. Okay. Well, we made it today. We made it. But I want you to look at what Jesus had to say in the next part of this verse. The second half of this verse, he says something. I love what the New Living Translation says right here. It says this. It says that new wine calls for new wineskins. 
he makes a statement at the very end. It says, new wine calls for new wineskins. And I believe God is calling our church and, and the church to grab a hold of, of some new wineskins. And here's the deal. These new wineskins, don't worry. They're just simple shifts that we must make, okay? They're just, they're just simple shifts that we must make as a church. And they must happen because, honestly, we live in a different world than we did just a couple years ago. In fact, I would say that the last couple years, more has happened and changed in our culture than any time in our lifetimes. Change has happened. And so we must change too because the gospel is at stake. People need to hear the gospel. But honestly, I think the change is not that big of a deal. It's not crazy change. It's, it's doable. I mean, we can, we can do this if we're on mission for God. Okay, so as, as church, as you personally, as a family, if you're like, hey, our purpose is to be on mission for God, then hey, I'm willing to change. I'm willing to make some changes. Because the, the mission of God calls us to new things, doesn't it? God's purpose for us is always about doing what he's called us to do in possibly new ways. For example, look what, look what God's word says right here in Psalm 96. It says, sing an old song. To, no, it says, sing a new song to the Lord, right? Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Look what else it says here in Ecclesiastes 7. It says, don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. The things that used to do, which honestly, a lot of times we, we hold those so emotionally attached to, to ourselves that we, and we kind of inflate them as if they were just incredible back, back then and back in the day. He says, don't long for the good old days. Those days are in the past. Like I've got something new for you. And look at this last one in Isaiah 43. He says, God is talking here. He says, but forget all that. What he's talking about is the past. Forget about the past, especially if you look at it. With rose-colored little glasses, like you look at it and you long for it. It says, forget all about it. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? And he describes a couple of ways. He says, I will make a pathway through the wilderness. Okay, so you want a pathway through the wilderness. The wilderness is scary. And he's saying, you know what? I've got this. I can take care of this. I'm doing something new. And he says, I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The things that you think are impossible, man, I'm, I'm doing something new. Do you not see it? Do you see the trade-off here? He's tra trading like this old way of, thing, of doing things for this new way of doing things. And God's saying, hey, will you join me? Will you join me in this adventure that I have for you? And honestly, these things are, are quite simple, and they come with a promise. And they, they come with a promise for two different kinds of people. First, in this room and online, I believe there's people that, that are new here. And you're like, what in the world are we talking about today? Okay, so you're new to Central. You're just checking us out or you're just visiting. Man, I'm so glad you guys are here. You're just watching us online. Here's my promise to you, to you. I'm about to talk about some things that Central is about to become, okay, or is in the process of becoming. If you're looking for a church home, let me tell you what Central is going to be about. And if you are a church member here, if you call Central home, here's my promise to you as well. I promise is that it's going to be okay. <laughs> you're not going to lose your church. You're not going to walk in and go, I don't recognize this place anymore. Okay? We're still going to be a church. We're still going to be central. But I believe there are some things that we need to do, some simple shifts that need to happen. So here they are. You ready for them? Here's some simple shifts that I believe we must take. First is this. We must see the mission field 
staring us in the face. We must see the mission field, okay? You may not realize it, but you're on the mission field, okay? You're on the mission field. For a lot of us who grew up in the church, there might have came a point in your life where you're like, is God calling me into missions? You're like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going overseas. I'm not going to do all that. I don't want to give up my culture and my comfort and all that. That's for somebody else, okay? And so you're like, I'm not called to the mission field. But here's the deal. The mission field has found you. And every single one of us has been called to the mission field because our mission field is no longer just across the world, it is now across the street. Our mission field is across the street. And you and I, if you're a believer in Christ today, you're actually a foreign missionary right where you live, okay? I'm not talking about your, your nation, okay? I'm not talking about your citizenship. What I'm talking about is our culture, you know? If you are a follower of Jesus, then you are for the kingdom of God. And guess what? The rest of the world is not. Okay, so you are, you're a foreign missionary right where you are. But the cool thing about being a foreign missionary right where you are is you get to sleep in your own bed at night, right? Okay, you know the language, okay? You, it's, 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 it's a good deal. It's a good gig to have. And here's the deal. We're made for this. Every single one of us in this room or watching online, if you are a believer in Christ, you are made to be on mission for God right now. Like you know the Bible. You know about God. You know about Jesus. You know that The world needs a savior. And here's the deal. You've been practicing and learning all those things for your entire life. And so now, honestly, it's the time to do it, right? It's the time to actually put into practice all those countless Bible studies and actually begin to live in such a way where you realize, I am on mission. I am doing some things that I would never thought possible before. And here's the deal. I believe that we must make a shift from being a church or about a church that meets our own personal needs and instead become a a church that's on mission together reaching lost people. Let me say that again. I think we got to be careful that we are not a church just trying to meet our own needs and our own wants and our own desires. Instead, be on mission together to reach a lost world. we got to be about that. We must see the mission field staring us in the face. We're in it right now. Here's the second one. As a multi-generational church, we must reach the next generation. Here's the coolest thing about our church. We are a multi-generational church. We have all sorts of different generations represented here, and we're going to continue to do that. I love it. We got little kids, and we got bald old people in here, okay? We got all sorts of people. Um, up. You actually have more hair than me. It's okay. All right, so I mean, you, you, it's awesome to see all the, the mixed group um, here in, in this service and even in our first service. But here's my question. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to reach the next generation? Because for many of us, we were willing. Like maybe the 80s and 90s, the turn of the century, I think we were willing to do that. And so the way we did it is we did it through programs. And so we had things like Bible drill. Anybody remember Bible drill? How awesome was that? Yeah, in the back, right? I was doing Bible drill, and I could find that verse and step forward, and ooh, look at me, okay? So I had Bible drill. It was awesome. I was a part of RAs, which is Royal Ambassadors, okay? Anybody part of that? 
A lot of you like guys are like, what in the world is he talking about? Okay, so, um, but GAs, girls in action. Okay, so a lot of the ladies were doing that. And so this was an, these were incredible ministries for, for young people to learn about missions and being on mission for God. And it was a discipleship program. And these things were awesome. But here's the deal. We can't just program for young people anymore. It doesn't work. Instead, we have to become a church that is completely devoted to reaching the next generation. Everything we do. It's going to change how we do kids' ministry. It's going to change how we do student ministry. It's going to change our view of the community and how we reach out in the community, how we fix our facilities to become a more inviting place because it's not just about us. It's about a lost culture and world that needs to hear about Jesus. It's about that next generation. Here's a simple shift number three. We must embrace the spaces that people live in. Where are people today? Are they at Home Depot? Not some, okay. Some people at Home Depot. Not everybody. Are they at the mall? Are they at church? Are they at the park? Where are people? They're online. They're online. Did you know that people under 30 spend an average of eight hours a day online? Eight hours a day. Did you know that 95% of teenagers have a smartphone? And if the younger generation were at parks and we drove around and we saw just all these kids out at parks, what would we be, what would we be doing as a church? We'd be getting park ministries ready, right? And we'd be learning how to play kickball and do all sorts of stuff. And we'd be going out to the parks to reach that next generation. But they're not at the park. They are online, and we must embrace that digital space that people are living in. Because here's the deal. It is not a fad. They've been living in it for 20 years, okay? It's not going away. And COVID and the pandemic and the lockdowns and stuff like that, that did not force us online. You know what forced us online? Social media. Facebook. Twitter. Instagram. My sp- no, not MySpace. <laughs> I'm just messing with you to see if you're paying attention. Like Snapchat, YouTube, that's where people are today. And here's the deal. as a church, we got to figure out how to reach people right there because they are there all day long. And here's the deal. It's not that hard. It's honestly, it's not that hard because ministry at the end of the day is all about people. And we know how to deal with people. We know how to love people. We know how to, to talk to people. We know how to meet their needs. And in the past, we always thought it was where we would do ministries and they would come to church and we do it in person. Or we go on a mission trip and do that. But here's the deal. It's online today. How does that happen? I I don't know. It's difficult to think about transitioning some of the things we do to being online to reach people because that's where they are. And you may say, you know what? I just don't know about all that technology stuff, right? I mean, I hear people talking about that all the time. Figure it out, okay? You have got to figure it out. Do you think the disciples knew how to lead a church? This was brand new, okay, guys? They didn't know how to do that. You know what they did? They figured it out. Do you think Paul, who said he was a Jew of Jews, you think he knew how to minister to Gentiles in a foreign country? No, but God had called him to be the apostle to the Gentiles, and so he learned their culture. He learned their languages. He learned how to reach them. 
We have got to do that. If you woke up one day on a, in a foreign country, you walked out of your house, everybody's speaking a different language than you, would you be like, well, I just don't know how to speak their language. I'm going home. No, what would you do? You learn their language. You learn how to speak to them. Learn their culture. Learn their customs. Why are we not doing that? Why are we not learning how to reach people where they are? We've got to do it. Here's the simple shift number four. We must radically invite and give them something worth coming to. I love that. We need to radically invite people and give them something worth coming to. Here's the deal. The call for every one of us is to be a minister. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, if you're a follower of Jesus online, the call of your life is to be a minister of the gospel. I talk to our staff all the time about this. Ephesians chapter 4. In that chapter, it talks about leaders and describes all sorts of different kinds of leaders of the church and says, your job is to equip the believers, equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. But the problem is the American church has got that flipped. Whereas a pastor, you get called to ministry, don't you? Okay? You get paid to do ministry. And so you go into the mission field, you, you go to seminary, you become a pastor, and you come to church, and people pay you to do the ministry for them. It is not my job to reach your friends for Jesus. It is your job. It is your job. Teenagers, it is not your job or not, it's not Noah's job to reach your friends. It's your job. His job is to equip you so that you can go and do that. Every single one of us has to radically change the way we do life. Instead about just coming to church and paying someone else to do ministry, instead we have to be and realize that we are all ministers. And we got to be radical about it. Telling people about Jesus. Inviting them to church. And the second part of that is we got to have a church worth coming to, <laughs> you know? We gotta have a church worth coming to. Are we creating compelling worship services and ministries? Is what we're offering, is it actually compelling? Or are we just another church on the corner, you know? Are we just another church where it seems like dead and I don't wanna be a part of that and the culture looks at us and says, man, they're weird. They're, I'm checked out from that. Or do they see that there's life and there's hope flowing out of this place where they, they want to see what's, what's happening. Think about your, your small group. Is it that way? Think about our worship services and the things that we offer. Think about our kids' ministries and our student ministries. Are our efforts, are they compelling to a lost world? And here's, here's how you'll know if you've actually made it as a church. When a lost person comes here and they have such a great time, they go invite another lost person to come with them the next time. You know? If that happens, we've made it. We've made it. But I wonder, what are we offering? How are we packaging the gospel? Does it seem to the world that it is just for us and they need to be like us and dress like us and act like us? Or do we offer them the gospel where they're at? What's happened for the church in, in general is I feel like we've designed ministry strategies to encourage most of us to just be like biblical scholars, okay, where we consume biblical teaching. 
And those things are great. We need biblical teaching. But here's the deal. It can't be just about that. But a lot of times that's what it's all about. And so here's how it looks. Tell me if I'm wrong, okay? You come to church. You want to sit in a worship service and you want to learn, you know? And then you want to go into your small group and you want to learn. And then you go to your Wednesday night Bible study and you want to learn. And all of a sudden you do that year after year after year after year. What is the, what is the purpose of the church to you? It's for you to learn. But honestly, the purpose of the church is not just that. There is so much more to that. The purpose of the church has to also be about equipping us to go out and be on mission for the gospel. In the 1990s, I think that was probably the, the height of the Southern Baptist world, okay? If you ever track that or you, like, know stuff about being a Southern Baptist, that was probably the height of it. Because that was the, the, that decade where we had the greatest percentage of the uh, American uh, population uh, being, being Southern Baptist, okay, the, the greatest percentage that we've ever had as a denomination. It's about it's a little over 6% of the entire country would say that they were Southern Baptist. If you look at a graph, it goes kind of over the, the century, kind of peaks in 1990, and then just boom, it's just tanking. And I wonder why. Has the gospel changed? The gospel hasn't changed. What has changed? Well, I think what's happened is, is we traded like the fundamentals of the gospel, which was sharing our faith and loving people no matter what. Because that's what the Bible says we're supposed to do, right? To share our faith and love people that are different than us. And we traded that for fads. And we traded that for worship practice preferences or worship styles. And honestly, we traded it for being a church designed for people who are already here. You know? Think about it. Like you walk into a church and you're like, man, these are just a bunch of church people, you know? They got their own language, their own customs, and the things that they do. And what's happened is, is we've created a bunch of consumers. And I am a consumer as well. And so I believe God's speaking to me, and I hope he's speaking to you today, that things, things have to change. What's happened is, is those who are outside the walls of the church, they... They don't care about what's going on inside the walls of the church. And honestly, they don't see any benefit for, for coming here. Now, I get it. The church is for the saved, okay? It's for those who confess their relationship with Jesus. I, I get that. I mean, that's why we have fellowships and we have community and we have uh, biblical studies because we want to have biblical knowledge. That's why we had the men's breakfast yesterday. It had two plates of bacon eggs, okay? I mean, it was awesome. It ate way too much. So the church has those purposes, but here's the deal. We have messed up. Do y'all know about the sin of commission and the sin of omission? You ever heard of that? So the sin of commission is when, it's like most of them, okay, where God says, don't do that, and you still do it. That's like most of our sins, okay? I mean, almost everything we do. That's the sin of commission. But the sin of omission is when you know you should do something and you don't, right? You know you should do something, and you say, nah. And as a church, I wonder how many times, because we want to hold on to our tradition, that we've told the world, no. In fact, we've told God, no. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that because I want to hang on to what I have. We've messed up. And as a church, we've got to repent of that. We've we got to make these, these shifts and then, honestly, it may involve giving up some of our preferences so, so we could be on, on mission for Jesus. You know what? 
Let me finish with this. You know what drives me crazy about church people? <laughs> you know, as pastor, I can say this, and I think we're, probably all agree. We confess that we love God and we love people, but at the end of the day, often we only love ourselves. And we can see it in our, the things we hold on to, right? We can see it in our wants and our desires and our, our desire for comfort and our, our preferences about how we do church. What drives me crazy about church people is, honestly, when we argue about the, the way we do church and we fight about our preferences, it drives me crazy. And as your pastor, I'm just telling you this, we're not going to do that here. As a church, we're not doing that. Because our church is not about your comfort. And our church is not about your preferences or my preferences. It is about being the hands and feet of Jesus to a lost world that desperately needs to know him. That's it. I was on Twitter this morning. I was even on social media, yep. Okay. I heard this quote, and I, just, I, I loved it. it. Here's what it said. <laughs> it said, you can't advance the mission of the church through criticism but only through contribution. Let me say it again. You can't advance the mission of the church through criticizing what is going on, but instead only through being a contributor to what is going on. And as a church, we're not in a battle against each other. We are on mission together. And that's what we have to be about. We must take hold of this biblical principle we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, that it's, it's risky, right? It's risky to... to to reuse these old wineskins. We can't keep doing that. So let me ask you this. What old wineskins need to be retired? What old wineskins need to be celebrated? Say, thank you, God, for what you did. And then we, we, we put them down. We let them go. The other day after I hurt my ankle, I was getting out of my car and trying to go into the house. And it had been raining, and so I had my umbrella with me, and I had like a water bottle and then a thing of coffee and I had my keys um, and I had my sunglasses and I, like I had a phone charger with me and I had my backpack with my stuff. And then I, then I had my, I had so much stuff I couldn't even use my crutches. And so I had my crutches like in my hands around here. And so I am, I am walking or hobbling to the front door and I realize I don't have my phone with me. The one thing that is most precious to me is my phone and I can't even carry it. I couldn't even figure out how to, how to get it um, with me. And I wonder as a church, are we carrying stuff so much, all of these practices, all these things we hold dear that we can't even hold on to the thing that is most precious to us? Are our hands too full and we're not willing to let some things go? If I were to ask this, what is the one purpose of the church? What would you say it is? Is it fellowship? Is it worship? Bible study? I think it's all those things, but I, I once heard this. The purpose of the church is to be doing the things that Jesus would be doing if he were here. Think about that. The purpose of the church is to be doing the things that Jesus would be doing if he were here physically. So the question is, what would he be doing? Are there some practices and preferences that we need to, to, to let go of? To be doing the things that Jesus would be doing if he were here to reach a lost world. I believe there's some people in this room and online who need to hear the gospel. They do. You need to hear that Jesus loves you and has a great plan for you and wants to save you if you will, if you will trust in him. He wants you to know that. 
But are those people only hearing our preferences and our opinions and our fighting over what kind of wineskins we need to hang on to? You know, the greatest question I can ask to people is this. What would you be willing to give up? Your preferences as a church. What would you be willing to give up to see your lost child, your lost grandchild, your lost neighbor sitting right next to you in church? Because the truth is, oftentimes they don't want what you're selling. What would you be willing to do what would you be willing to give up? Not to giving up the gospel, but just giving up our preferences to see those people that you love so much to come to faith in Jesus. What would you do? My hope for us, my hope for you is that we never choose tradition over mission. We say it again. My hope is that we never choose tradition over mission. That the why that we do church is always more important than the way we do church. The why. People matter, guys. You have one life to live. Let's use it for his glory. Let me pray for you guys real quick. Father, I apologize for a long sermon, but I, I thank you for this message you've given us today. It's a tough one. We see it over and over again in, in the Gospels of, of people who are giving up their way of doing things so that lost people may be saved, so that you can get the glory. Lord, I pray, I wonder what, what are some things in our lives that we need to, to let go of? What are some preferences that we have? For me, what are the preferences that I have? I pray, God, that we'd be radical about that. and We would be a church that is unified together on mission for Jesus, that we would do whatever it takes to see lost people hear the gospel message. I truly believe that that is your heart, Jesus, and you want our hearts to come into alignment with you. So God, convict us where we're off. Are we worshiping you or are we worshiping our traditions? God, may we always worship you. And I pray, Lord, for anybody, anyone in this room who does not have a relationship with Jesus and has heard all this message about church talk, but they would see that the church loves them and that Jesus loves them. And he's calling them right now to give their lives to him. I pray, Lord, they would repent of their sins and they would turn and trust you to be their Lord and Savior. And they would go and tell somebody. I pray for anyone in this room who does not have a church home It needs to find their fit here. They need to be connected right here. They would even do that today and say yes to you, Jesus, and yes to this church. God, continue to mold us and shape us and use us for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's finish this way, guys. I'm going to ask you guys to stand for just a second. We have a, a song. Rollins going to sing this song. It's the same song we sang last week. Man, if you just want to sing and worship, that's awesome. If you need to deal with God, do that right now. If you'd like to talk to one of our staff, we'll be right over here in the connection room to be able to answer any questions you have, help you with any decisions you need to make. If you want to say yes to Jesus, if you want to say yes to this church, we'd love to be over there and talk with you.
um, whatever God is calling you to do. Let's take a moment before we leave this place and uh, let's deal with God right now. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil I now surrender, you are breaking new ground. So I yield to you and to your careful when I trust you, I don't need to understand. And make me your vessel, make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing but all you have given me. Bring new wine out of me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Oh, Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Because where there is new wine, there is new power, there is new freedom, and the King. Lay down my old flames to carry your new fire today. So make me your vessel, make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing but all you have given me Jesus bring new wine out of me Jesus bring new wine out of me oh Jesus bring new wine out of me Hey, they're just finishing up service in there and I wanted to come out and tell you that we love you guys and we're praying for you. If you made a decision today, we would love to hear about it. So you can email us at prayer at cbcowasso.org and we'd love to respond to you, pray with you, and just be in that communication because you just made a decision. That's awesome. We want to celebrate that. Um, remember as we go out into the world that we exist to live for Christ love people, and make disciples. Have a good day.